Well, good morning, Freedom House. Good to see everybody. Smile at your neighbor. Even if you don't have teeth, just smile at them real big. Good to see you. We also want to welcome all of our live streamers from all over the world. Give it up for all of our live streamers. So glad you're here. Hey, if you're new to Freedom House, you've been coming, kicking the tires, kind of seeing what's going on. A couple things. We are one house, many different rooms. We have campuses all over the city. And so if this isn't the closest campus to us, we have other campuses you can go to, South End, Lake Norman, both of which are exploding. Uh, it's amazing to see what God's, God's doing in our lives, in our church, in our church family. And uh, hey, you never know. If you're single, go visit all three of them. It's way better than Tinder, I promise. Um, I'm excited about this brand new message, um, extremely excited. I, 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 you know, for, for us preachers, um, you know, we, we basically give birth every Sunday and then get pregnant again on Monday. That's what happens to us. And that, because we get full of this message and Friday I kind of finished the message and I wanted to preach it right then. I couldn't wait till Sunday. I couldn't wait to get into this and uh, because I believe this whole series is a very important series in regards to the relationships you have, which is what it's all about. It's called Solid Ground. And uh, we're gonna spend, spend times on your relationship, your marriage, your family. Um, I was, uh, a friend of mine told me a story where uh, he went into his bedroom one day and he looked on the wall and he saw this crack he'd never seen before down the side of the wall. He was blown away. He's like, what, what in the world's going on? Where does this crack come from? Never seen it before. So he called his painter. Um, his painter came over. He said, listen, you see this crack on my wall. I need you to fix this crack. And so he replasters it, puts some new board on there, a little bit of caulk, repaints it, looks brand new, and leaves. About two months later, my friend walks back into his bedroom. There's the crack again. Everybody look at your neighbor. Say, the crack was back. The crack was back. <laughs> And so, so he, uh, he calls his painter again. He's a little upset this time. He's like, what the heck's going on? You know, why, did, why didn't he fix this thing? What in the world did he not do? So he called his painter, mad at him, very mad at him. So like, why didn't you fix this? I paid you a bunch of money. Because you know, how many of painters are expensive? They ain't cheap anymore. And so, so he comes back, doesn't charge him, fixes the crack, Puts some more plaster on it, more caulk, paints over it, looks brand new. 30 days goes by. Walks back in his bedroom, crack his back. He's furious. He's like, oh my gosh. This guy's, I'm gonna call a different painter. Calls a different painter. Painter comes over, surveys the wall, looks at the wall, walks around it for about 15, 20 minutes. Looks back at my friend and says, I can't fix this. He goes, what are you talking about? I mean, all you gotta do is paint over it. He goes, this is not a crack problem. This is a foundation problem. The, the side of your house is sinking. I can paint this all you want, but it's just gonna keep coming back over and over and over. See, we all today have family cracks. We have marriage cracks. We have kid cracks. We have relational cracks, money cracks. Come on, one more time. Look at your neighbor. Say, I can see your crack. I'm joking, don't say that to your neighbor. <laughs> See, the crack is not the issue. It's the foundation. The foundation is really the issue. We wanna talk about building on the right foundation. See, what we're doing a lot of times is addressing a symptom when we really need to get to the source. The source, the real issue. 
When we think about building a family, a solid foundation is key if we want strength and longevity and character and legacy and future and so much more. See, whether you're single, you wanna build on a solid foundation. Whether you're married, you wanna build on solid ground. Divorce, married again, have kids, have a blended family. You wanna reestablish, fix the crack. Fix the cracks in our, in our life. Fix those things by building the right kind of ground. Matthew chapter seven Randy had mentioned, we're gonna talk about this one passage of scripture that I wanna focus in on, and it's the end of Jesus's message. You know, I, I train a lot of our communicators, and we have, there's always three parts to a good message. The takeoff, we call it the takeoff, the, the flight, and the landing. Most important thing in a message is your takeoff and your landing. The middle part's good, it needs to be good. You had some meat, you know, but the takeoff, was my takeoff all right today? Okay, all right. Now, hopefully the land is gonna be even better. Well, Jesus, best preacher ever. And he's just finishing one of the greatest message, messages ever preached. Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. Here's what he says at the end. He says, therefore, and he's, he's, he's encapsulizing this whole, summarizing this whole entire incredible message. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the, what does it say? Rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. This is the closing to the greatest message ever preached. Greatest message from the greatest preacher. This is known as the Sermon on the Mount. But did you, did you know this is not the first sermon that was ever on a mount? Matter of fact, what we're doing is we're actually seeing Jesus reestablish what it looks like to live a New Testament life. You may remember there was another guy who came down from a mountain with two tablets in his hand and spoke to the children of Israel, Moses. He did that. Jesus, a type of Moses, is now on the mountain giving us a new way of looking at reestablishing who we are in our Christianity, in our walk, a new covenant built upon better promises. And here's the deal. And Jesus is doing this over and over. He's basically saying, and this is the title of the message today, it's your choice. It's always your choice. Everything that God presents to you, everything that Jesus presented in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is your choice, just like Moses did. Matter of fact, Moses said this in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. I'll call heaven and earth to witness today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Why? That both you and your descendants may live. And just like Moses, Jesus is saying there are only two choices. Two choices. This is what he's summarizing. If you go back and look at Matthew 7, look, look what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He said, look, there's two roads. One is wide that leads to destruction, and one is narrow that leads to life. He goes on to say, there are two choices. Look at your neighbor, say two choices, two choices. Look at your other neighbor, say it's your responsibility, it's your responsibility. You can't blame anybody else on your choice. 
It's always your choice. I've said it over and over again. Choice is your most powerful spiritual weapon. Your ability to choose. You have a free will. And Jesus is poking at it and saying you have two choices. You can either choose the gate that's wide or you can choose the gate that's narrow. He says you can either be a good tree or a bad tree. You can either have, in verse 18, you can have good fruit or bad fruit. And then he says you can have two foundations, one that's on sand or one that's on rock. Or, as he's closing up, you can be one of two people and you have to choose, you have to choose. It's your choice. You can either be wise or you can be foolish. So let's compare these two people. I think it's important. Maybe, maybe you'll look at this a little bit different. Take, take, your, take your notes out, write some things down. The first thing is two people wanted to build something. Both wanted to build something. We all want to build something. We all, we all want to build a life. We, we, we all want, we want to construct something, establish something. It says a wise man built, a foolish man built. What, what, what is Jesus talking about when he's talking about building? He's not just talking about erecting a house, like a real stone, brick, wood house. He's talking about you. Listen to these things that he's talking about. First, he's talking about your life. We all wanna build a life. Build a life. We don't wake up and go, you know, I just wanna be a failure. We never do that. We don't go, we don't, we don't, you know, when you turn, when you kind of get that age where you can finally get a job, oh, you know, I just want to get fired. I want to fail out of school. I want to get kicked out of college. Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be, no, none of us think that way. We want to build a life, a life of what? A life of substance, a life of strength, a life of integrity. We want people to talk good about us when we die, a life of meaningfulness and significance. We never go into life saying, I just wanna fail. A life that matters. Secondly, he's talking about building relationships. We all want, we all want to get along with people and, and enjoy life with people. That's why our, one of our slogans here, one of our mission statements here at Freedom House is, is better together. We want, we want people to be better together because we are better together. The greatest need that we have is to feel like we belong. And our greatest fear is the fear of being alone. Now, you, you might say, well, I like being alone. No, 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 you like being independent. There's a lot of difference between being alone and being independent. God, God even said in Genesis that it's not good for man to be alone. So we wanna build relationships, people that we can laugh with and cry with, people we can grow with and celebrate with. We wanna build a life, we wanna build relationships. We wanna build a marriage. I mean, think about it. Dun, dun, dun. We don't walk down the aisle going, I'm, where's the exit? We don't think about that. We don't go, hey, you know, I'm gonna give this thing three years. If she don't act right and he don't get right, I'm out. No, no, we go into it. I mean, we see her walk down the aisle, right? Come on, men, we see her. Oh, look how beautiful she is. Oh my gosh, I get to spend the rest of my life with her. I know she's gonna cost me a lot. <laughs> We're walking down, ladies, you're walking down the aisle, you see him, you're like, oh, that is my hunk of hunk I mean, he is, he, I know he's put on a couple pounds, but hey, dad bod. 
Look at him. Look, he's going to hold me and, 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 and take care of me and protect me. And, and, and she's going to love me and cherish me and honor me. We, don't, we, don't, we want to build a good marriage. A marriage where we have a helper, a confidant, a partner, a, a life friend, a lover. We want to build a life. We want to build relationships. We want to build a marriage. We want to build a family. We get married and we start popping out babies. Come on. Freedom House is good at this. Be fruitful and multiply. Y'all got that one. I'm telling tell you right now, y'all got that one. We want to create a legacy, don't we? We want kids that do better than us, that go farther than us, that exceed beyond us. We want them to make great choices and make good friends and find good husbands and good wives and, and have grandbabies so we can spoil them and take care. We, that's what we want. We want to create legacy, a future, don't we? We want to build a church, a church, a ministry where people can walk through the doors on a regular basis and encounter the presence of God like we felt today, that their lives are changed, that addictions and chains can fall off and, and God can minister to them and, and change them forever. We want to build a good nation, a good civilization, don't we? I know, I know it's easy to go, oh, I'm not a part of that. Actually, you are. You have a very, very integral role in the creation of our nation. Every day, you are investing in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your family, and your church. You are affecting the community and nation that is around you. Matter of fact, the reason why we are in the place we are today is because we haven't focused too much on the life and the relationships, and we've got too many cracks that we're trying to fix instead of dealing with the foundation. We should, we should be concerned about all the parts of this building because each one affects us. So both wanted to build something. Secondly, two people went through a storm. Both went through a storm. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Now listen, storms always have two things, rain and wind. Storms always have what you can see and what you can't see. What you can see and what you can't see. Now we spent an entire month talking about what you can't see, called the armor of God. Matter of fact, if you wanna hear a great message, I preached a good message last week. It was really good. I liked it. I heard it a bunch. It got gooder and gooder every time I preached it. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. It was just one of those messages that I really enjoyed. I told Jenny, I said, Jenny, this is, I like this message. I enjoyed it. It really impacted me. Changed the way that I saw things. So I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on the wind, but you, you gotta understand you have a spiritual responsibility. But you also see the storm. Now here's the thing about storms, especially when it talks about beating down the house because there's one thing in between the rain and the wind. What was it? Floods. See, when you ignore what you see, a flood will happen. When you ignore it, the waters begin to rise. And we all see stuff. Come on, we all see it. We see it in our marriage, but we ignore it. We see it in our kids. I don't want to talk to them about that. I want to be their friend, not their parent. We see it. Rain, 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 but we ignore it. I had a friend that... I was talking to during all the rains in California. His name's Joel, a good friend of mine. And, and you know, California, they can't, 
they, they can't have a lot of rain like we do. I don't know if you know this, but we've had the most rain we've had in the last five years in Charlotte, North Carolina. We had 17 inches from November to January. 17 inches? Up in my part, I live, I live up near Lake Norman. Uh, we had 19 inches up there. 19 inches of rain? They had like four, and the whole state was getting ready to fall off. He told me that they had to take sandbags around their house because the rains descended and the floods came. The more you ignore it, the more effect that flood is gonna have on your house. It takes time. If we ignore it, the more we lose, the more it grows on us. But why storms? Why storms? I don't know if you've ever asked this question or maybe heard this question. Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? You ever heard that question? You ever been talking to somebody, you're sharing the Lord with them, and they go, that's where they go. That's where skeptics go. They go, they go immediately to, well, God did bad things. Well, let's kind of unpack this for a second. Think about this. I hear, I hear it all the time. I hear, you know, well, well, why does God do bad things to good people? We all ask that question. Anybody have asked that question inside your own heart? Why, why are bad things happening to me all the time? Why am I in a storm again? Seems like I just got out of one. I'm going in another one. When am I gonna have a break? Anybody here like me? Okay. Well, let's think about this for a second. Let's dig into this question a little bit. Jesus was walking, you know, doing his ministry thing. And this guy comes and, and is wondering about how to... In, how to get to heaven, how to, how to inherit eternal life. And the Bible calls him a rich, young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, hey, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus stops and hold on a second. Before I answer that question, let's deal with the title that you gave me. He said, no one is good, but one that is God. Let me, let me read the scripture to you. Luke chapter 18, verse 18. It says, now a certain ruler asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. God. There's only one that's good, and that's God. Matter of fact, none of us are good in relation to God. Good is a relative term. Your good may be way different than my good. You may think it's okay to smoke one, two, three cigarettes every week. And you look over at Randy who's smoking weed. I know he said <laughs> that it was those two boys, but how many of y'all know Randy be hitting it in the car before he gets here? He's bad. You see, you see one of your church friends walking into the R-rated movie. I can't believe it. They're going, they are going to an R-rated movie. They are going straight to hell. Just like Randy. They're going with him, with Randy. I don't see no R-rated. PG-13, far as I go. But did you know that somebody's looking at you while you walk in your PG-13 movie? Going, I can't believe they're even going to the movies. Ain't nothing but sin up in there. Bunch of sinners. Good is relative. Let me read one more scripture because out of the mouth of two witnesses, every word is established. Romans chapter three, verse 12. All have deliberately wandered from God's ways. All is all. 
You are in all, I am in all. All have wandered from God's ways. All have become depraved and unfit. Kindness has disappeared from them. Not even one is good. So the reality is none of us are good, only God. Matter of fact, let me give you two lessons that we should all teach our kids. Number one, God is love. He's a loving God. His love is unconditional, meaning that with God, there are no conditions to his love, that you can do anything and God's never gonna stop loving you. Just like you, if you're a parent, your love never, you might not like your kids, but you love them. You might wanna kick them out of the house, but while they're out, you love them, don't you? Your love never stops. Well, guess what? God never stops loving you. His love is always for you. God is love. You can t- your kids need to know that God is always love. Now, there's a big t- difference between love and acceptance that we have to distinguish between the two because God loves everybody but doesn't accept all behavior. It's a big difference in our world right now. Secondly, you need to teach your kid is God is good. We just read it. He's good. The standard of good is God. There is no other level. And none of us can get to that level. That's why we need a savior, Jesus Christ. You wanna know how do you get to heaven? You gotta be perfect, and none of us are. That's why we have to have faith in the one who was perfect, Jesus, in order to put our faith and belief in him so that we can walk through the gates of heaven because of his perfection, not by perfection. In other words, listen, in other words, your works will never get you because your works will never be good enough. God is good. Psalms 25, verse eight, good and upright is the Lord. Psalms 34, verse eight, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Nahum 1, seven, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust him. So maybe the real question is not why do bad things happen to good people, but why do good things happen to bad people? How about we reframe the whole entire question and we change the way that we minister to people? Because here's what we typically do with people that are walking in that R-rated movie. Get them, God. Get them. Come on, we all know somebody that you invited to church like four times. And they're in Cabo right now. You saw it on their Facebook. You You got up early to see what Julie was doing. And she should be in church, that sinner. So you looked at her trip and she, she went to Cabo and you can't believe it because she just got back from Italy two months ago. Look at all the good stuff that is happening to bad Julie. Ain't nothing good happening to me. It seems all bad and I'm good. Are you following me? Maybe we need to flip the script and look at this from a different perspective and minister to people that way. Instead of saying, God, get them because they're bad, God sure has been good to you, hadn't he? Man, he's really protecting you. He's really taking care of you, isn't he? Man, he loves you. Man, he saved you. Man, he's changed you. Man, he has blessed you so much. In spite... Maybe not, don't even say this, but just think. In spite of you, God has really been good to you. Come on, because he's been good to you too, hadn't he? 
God's been really good to you. Some of you should have been dead a long time ago. Some of y'all should be in prison right now. You should have been divorced. You should have been dead. But God is good. You can give him more praise than that. God is good. He's good. So maybe we need to reframe it. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter two. Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? It's the goodness of God that draws men in. Not the beating that we think they should have because they're bad and we're good. I think we need to change the question. See, storms are not the result of how bad we are. Listen to me very closely because some of you are in the middle of a storm right now. And I'm sure you've heard it. Either you are in one or about to get in one or coming out of one. Storms, storms are not the result of how bad we are. Listen, storms are God's way of testing our foundation. Why? Because there's promotion just on the other side of that storm. There's promotion just on the other side of that storm. God is preparing to build you stronger than you were before this storm. Build your marriage stronger because there's more he wants you to do, more he wants you to accomplish, more he wants you to, to have in your family, more that he wants to give you more because he is more than enough. Are you following me? That's why you're in the storm. Some, some, some of us maybe need to go, thank God I'm in the storm. And I'm still here because I built my house on the rock. See, storms are often God preparing you for promotion. That's what he's doing. I love this story. There was a cod fisherman a few years back on the East Coast who his business just exploded. And everybody wanted cod. They wanted it everywhere. They, they, and so he started shipping, freezing the cod and then shipping it to these places. But there was a problem in the freezing process that when he shipped it and the cod got there, it lost all its flavor. And so he said, hey, you know what? I think I need to change the way that I'm shipping this. And so what he did is he took and put the cod in salt water and let them live. And then he would ship in the cod in the water, in the salt water to the places that he needed to send it. How I many you know it takes longer for cod in containers of salt water to get somewhere than frozen cod? And so by the time it got there, it was all mushy and soft. It tasted terrible. And so this friend of his said, hey, listen, let's throw some catfish in the container with the cod because catfish are the enemies of cod. And the whole trip, the catfish will chase the cod around and keep them firm and strong. So when they get there, the ones that make it, When they get to their destination, they will be stronger than when they left where they were. Storms are necessary. Storms are like catfish. Some of you got some catfish. Come on, look down at your feet. Some, there's some catfish chasing you right now. This is different than being catfished. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. You're just too old. I had to ask somebody about what it was. So, But here's the promise in the storm. Follow me here, and then I'm almost done. Here's the promise. Here's the promises from God in the storm. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, I will never test you about, above what you are able. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, I will always be there for you. Psalms chapter 50, verse 15, I will always answer your call. Romans 8, 28, I will always work it for your good. Psalms 37, verse three, you can always trust me. That's the promise of God in the midst of your storm. You can make it, he's testing your foundation. The last thing is both, two people went to the same church. Both of these guys, the wise guy and the foolish guy, both sat in the same services, heard the same message from the great preacher, Jesus Christ. Both heard the word, both heard the teaching, both sat under the same perfect pastor, but one was wise and one was foolish. And what was it that they did? Here's the kicker, here's the key. If you drove by their houses, they looked great until the storm came. Because both, both of the houses, don't let anybody tell you when you become a Christian that you won't face a storm. See, the key to the whole passage is the word of God doesn't work until it is activated. What does that mean? The wise person does what he knows. The foolish person knows but never does. Let me say it again. Because you have a choice today. Are you gonna be wise or are you gonna be foolish? The wise person does what he knows. The foolish person knows but never does. What's the foundation? It's the rock. It's the word of God. It's Jesus. He is the word made flesh. We act on what we have heard. The difference between the wise and the foolish was not a lack of power. Okay, okay, let, let, me, let me give you one more story. Maybe two. I'm a dad, and dads, you can relate to this. There are two things in our house that are very precious to us. The first is the thermostat. Don't touch my thermostat. My wife, she goes, it's cold in here. Boop, 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 it starts pressing. I'm like, don't, don't, don't touch it, don't touch it. This is holy ground. Do not touch this right here. Look, I got it on my phone. Let me get in there. I have it set for the perfect barometric pressure and temperature for when we walk in the house, you can feel the warmth and the presence of the Lord. What y'all laughing at? Come on, dads, help me out here, guys. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't touch my thermos. Don't get up in the middle of the night and touch my, I will know. The Holy Ghost will tell me when you did it. He will wake me up in, the sleep, in my sleepy night and tell me somebody done touched your thermostat again. Get them, God. No, I'm just kidding. The second thing that dads do that irks them is we hate it when people leave lights on. Come on. Why did you leave the light on? I'm coming right back. Yeah, but you could have turned it off. I... I Look, I don't even ha I only have one person in my house and two dogs, one person. And for some reason, I still, my wife leaves lights on everywhere. Why'd you leave the light on? Well, I'm coming back. Honey, there are children starving in Africa because that's the best response to everything, you know. Why are you leaving the lights on? I do it in the church. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm big. Like, I walk around, I walk around the church. My kids here leave the lights on. I'm chasing all the staff. Why'd you leave the light on? I'm, turn it off. Turn it off. 
turn it off. You know what I'm talking about, John. You do the same thing. Now, greatest invention ever. Motion detecting lights. Great. If I could install them in my house, I would. But here at the church, we install, we have them in most of the rooms where, and what happens is when you walk in the room, what happens? The light comes on. And we walk out of the room after a certain period of time, what happens? The light goes off. Walk in the room, light comes on, right? Walk out of the room after a few moments, what happened? Light goes off. One more time. Walk in the room, light goes on. Walk out of the room, light goes off. They're motion detected. Before you walked in the room, power was still available and light was available until motion was added. The word of God is full of power. The word of God is full of authority. But it doesn't work until you get into motion. You have to do something with it. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. The wise man heard the word of God and he did something with it. The foolish man heard the word of God and didn't do anything with it. It's not a lack of power. It's not that the word changes when it touches you. It's not that there's not light and authority and strength. No, it's a motion issue. People say all the times, the Bible doesn't work. The Bible says in response, you have not moved. You have to move. You have to do something with it. You have to act on it in your marriage. Look, you can complain all day long about her, but it's not about her. It's about you. You can complain all day long about him, but it's not about him. You can't change him but you can change you. I know you don't like me saying that, but that's the truth. It's a motion issue. We have to get involved. You wanna build a strong marriage? Move on God's word. You wanna build an amazing family? Move on God's word. You wanna build a prosperous life? Move on God's word. Stop messing with the cracks and get to the foundation. Don't just put God's word in high authority with no power. The power comes when we move. It's not God's word plus my opinion. It's God's word plus my action. Last story, I told you just one more. There was a captain of a Navy vessel that was headed and he saw this bright light that was in front of him and it looked like there was gonna be a collision between the two vessels. So he got on the radio and he said, move three degrees east. Three degrees east, we're on a collision course. The message came back. You move three degrees west. We're on a collision course. The captain got got back on, said, I said, move three degrees east now. Message came back. You move three degrees west now. The message went back again. The captain said, I am an admiral of the United States Navy. I demand that you move three degrees west immediately. The response was, I am a lighthouse. I'm not going anywhere. It's your move. And that's the question that God's asking you today. It's your move. So, who are you going to be, Freedom House? Are you going to be wise? Are you going to be foolish? You know what I see in this congregation today? A bunch of wise people bunch of wise people because you're going to act on the word of God. 
Let's do that today. Why don't you stand up on your feet? Hope you learned something. Let's make a commitment to work on our foundation. This entire month, let's make a commitment to go down in the basement and start inspecting our foundation. We might have some cracks. Don't Look, don't even worry about the cracks right now. Let's go to the foundation. God, give me the wisdom to go down and see the foundational errors that I may have. What, what have I added to your word that's causing my foundation to become sand? What have I removed from your word that's causing my foundation to become sand? Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. You'll stand and you'll stand strong when your house, your home, your life, your relationships, your family, your kids, your finances are all built on the foundation of God's word. Close your eyes, bow your head. If you're here today, and maybe your first move today, your first move, and this is the greatest move you can ever make, is to declare your relationship with Jesus Christ, to make him the Lord of your life. Let him be the rock that you lean on, be the rock that you live on, be the rock that you build on. You have to confess it. Maybe you've never done that before. You're watching online. You've never made that decision before. You've never said yes to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you did it at one time, but you know that your house is not being built on the rock. You know, you know the word, but you're not doing it. I'm not saying you need to do it all, but just take one or two principles and start working on those things. It's amazing what Holy Spirit momentum will do in your life. He can, he can, he can guide a moving ship. He can really get it moving. You, you, you hit the gas and let him be your, your guide. Let him be your teacher. He'll do it. Maybe you need to give your life back to Jesus. I want to pray for you today. I'm going to count to three. Look, don't hesitate. Don't wait. You know who you are. I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time. Or I need to give my life back. Recommit my life. To, don't wait. Do it today. Ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand. You say, that's me. Come on. Raise your hand up high. Thank you, Lord, all over the room. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give him a big hand. Isn't that great? Thank you so much. Thank you. If you made that decision today, if you lifted that hand, let's all do this together. Let's lift both hands to heaven and surrender. Surrendering to you, God. I'm getting in motion. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, church, let's all pray it together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he is my rock. He is my refuge. He is my foundation. His word is true. His word is truth. And I put my trust in it. I put my trust in you, God. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead so I could have a brand new life that starts today. I will follow you and I will worship you forever and ever in Jesus' name. Keep those hands lifted high. Say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me today to overflowing. I need your help, Holy Ghost. I need you to guide me. I need you to teach me. I need you to help me. I need you to comfort me. Come on, just welcome him right now. Just breathe him in right now. There's the presence of God right there. The presence of God for your marriage. The presence of God for your family, the presence of God for your kids. Just breathe in that presence right now. Breathe it in right now. Father, thank you for touching people. 
touching people, being the seal that you are, Holy Spirit, sealing this moment. And God, we're gonna step in the room so that your lights can come on and your power can flow through us in the name of Jesus. And everybody shout it. Come on, amen. <laughs>